0: The Youthscape Podcast! The
1: Youthscape Podcast. Well, hello, listeners. And welcome to another edition of the Youthscape Podcast. With me, Martin Saunders.
0: Slimy Saunders. And me, Rachel Gardner. That was my sexy voice. And me, Rachel Gardner. Welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. This is the podcast where we open the lid and we look at something fabulous and exciting and different and new and great and fabulous about youth ministry i'm i'm just feeling because i'm feeling awkward you feel awkward, awkward I did, about that introduction. i did the
1: alluring voice oh, 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 oh. You clearly weren't <laughs> allured by it it was actually the repellent voice
0: the repellent voice it is valentine's week if you're listening to this in real time It is Valentine's week, so happy Valentine's week,
1: whatever that means. Have you made it into a week? No one's ever done that before.
0: (laughs) It's a whole, it's a whole week.
1: It's you because you're the
0: the, of the Romance Academy lady.
1: You have um, you've you try to elongate it to an entire week of festivities and celebrations. (laughs)
0: Could you imagine? Oh,
1: could you imagine? Do you, Rachel, have a Valentine's Day story? I have you. Have you ever done? A kind of like wacky Valentine's thing. Have you ever been kind of rejected on yes. Valentine's Day?
0: Yes. No, I mean, but I do. My story that I do trot out every time is the, my first date with Jason, where he he was going to pay and forgot the money, and I had to stay there to kind of be collateral, oh. and he had to come back for me. So I my sort of date stories always end up a little bit like. Rrr. So I don't. I don't have great Valentine's Day. For I don't Potter. know anyone
1: who has a good Valentine's Day story.
0: No. And, and actually every year I'm a little bit like I'll go for a KFC chicken. This the day before was cheaper, and um, there we go. That's fine. I I do get quite like I, I you'll find me on social media on Valentine's Day. I'm I'm always the provider of the worthy quotes. Do you do that as well? I've, do you notice uh, that? No, Valentine's I do day? now.
1: Is I I make fun of people who do that. Yes.
0: So you can read. So I've mind, become that
1: guy that, that critiques and snipes yes, like, at people trying to put good things into the world, like you. Yes,
0: that's right. Good so you're the you're the good includes, person. Everyone, because yeah. we're only thirty percent of people in any kind of romantic relationships. The majority yeah. of people, like love, is gonna not gonna be romance love. Like, it might be family, friends, you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff, and our young people. Yeah.
1: So you kind of craft a lovely post.
0: I do. On
1: social media we are like, so this one's for the yeah. adventurers and the dreamers.
0: Yeah, that's right. That sounds it like does it, you, doesn't it? It does. But also, I think, and this is going to go very heavy, very quick. But I think, because I've worked in sexual health for many, many years with the Romance Academy, I just, there's kind of the dark side, isn't there? That sense of for Valentine's Day, for so many young people feeling under immense pressure to perform and to conform. Many youth workers are picking up lots of additional issues around heartbreak and broken relationships mm. and dashed hopes, but also around unplanned pregnancy and mm. sex transmitted infections. So it's one of those weird ones that runs parallel for me. Like, yeah. actually, this is a... Valentine's Day is a thing. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. I'm not sure what thing it is, but it's this weird thing in our culture that is supposed to mean something really powerful, but I don't think it ever delivers. Could
1: we, could we redeem... Yes. Oh, I, I, I didn't mean to do the no, voice again. No, no,
0: no, yeah, could could we redeem, could we
1: redeem Valentine's Day? Do you think?
0: Well, and I think that's probably lots of us do try to do that. We do. Because it, it could be an,
1: a lovely thing. Yeah, it's it about could. like for people who are in committed relationships, mm, about celebrating yeah, those. Yeah, absolutely. For people who like want a bit of extra confidence to tell someone they like yes. them. that's a nice thing. And you could get yes. give someone a card or something yeah. and. You know? That's
0: right. You could you could maybe like get like those old fashioned rulers that have like the letters carved out in it. Hang on a minute. And you get your pencils and, and do cover you know, it in. I,
1: I've heard a story a bit like that. So producer Amy Yes
0: producer.
1: producer Amy now is because we have a producer that speaks. So let's let's have Amy's first ever story on the <laughs> Have
2: podcast. you got a Valentine's Day podcast story? <laughs> yes I do. Um so uh, when I was younger I used to walk every day I used to walk to school with a friend, with this lovely guy. Um, I just thought we were friends. How old were you? Can you just like... say, how old were you?
1: Oh, 19.
2: You know? No, <laughs> <laughs> and probably 12. Oh, yeah. lovely. And, um, and then one day, when it was Valentine's Day, he gave me an envelope with my name on it. I, I actually can't remember what he said, but he just kind of disappeared quite quickly. And I opened it and inside was a Valentine's card, as Rachel described, using those stenciled kind of letters and I, I can't actually remember what it said, but it, you know, along the lines of like, will you be my Valentine or something? From your secret admirer. Uh, and <laughs> you, believe it or not, I had no clue who it was. I, I think I even went to some of my friends and was like, who could this be from? <laughs> and, and nothing really happened because I never figured it out. Um, I think I maybe thought someone was playing a joke on me or something, and then many years later, um, this guy, I was still friends with him, um, and you know, we both moved on. Um, and uh, he said to me, do you remember that time that I gave you <gasps> a Valentine's card and, and you just did nothing? And I was, I was like, oh, that was from you. <laughs>
1: right, so let's just recap, a young man, <laughs> Hands you a card.
2: <laughs> and then runs away. On
1: Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. And says, This is from your secret admirer.
2: I don't know
1: if he said that. Or words that effect. And In you go, cape. Oh, thanks. He <laughs> runs for it. You think nothing nothing odd about that. He's always <laughs> running off that one. Old oh, Trevor. He's always running off.
2: He was so not then, called Trevor.
1: <laughs> and, then, um, and then you open it up and you don't. It never even crossed your mind. No, not for That a a he. The person who gave you it, remember on Valentine's Day, could in fact have been just handing you a Valentine's Day card. Yeah,
2: I know. I don't know. You Um, didn't
1: make that connection. I
2: obviously wasn't very sharp. (laughs) Well, you were twelve as well, so I think our twelve ourselves. Yeah, I think I just was very much. This guy is
1: my friend, and oh, oh. oh. you are—you are one of those people you're who just you're you're unspoilt by the world, aren't you? <laughs> oh,
2: you're wonderful!
0: I do think that's great, Amy. Oh, Walter. you can send Valentine's cards to Amy. You know what? Do you know what? You know what this, if, yeah. if 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 oh, she no. wasn't the
1: producer, we could have yeah. asked the producer to add like a musical bed under that. Yeah. And we could have <laughs> that could have been like late night love on a youth skate <laughs> podcast.
0: And here is Trevor. Turn you <laughs> on? Oh. I imagine. Can
1: we find Trevor? Uh, no, track him down, down. Uh, oh. track
0: him down. oh bless you thank I you like for that. that's a very good story i'm not even going to ask you martin because i have a horrible feeling you have a whole arsenal of stories i've
1: got disappointments have you? i've only got sad stories yes, from valentine's I day i mean because because i've had nice valentine's yeah. day meals with my yes. wife yeah. where we've you know had a, a steak meal. or something yeah. and it's been lovely yeah and uh, but but the the stories that stick in your memory are the rejections and they the tragedies, are. aren't they?
0: I do remember one story. I, I, have I shared this? fifth wedding anniversary, have I shared this? I, I don't think know, it was, is I've it
1: been, an overshare,
0: ritual. It's it slightly, but it was a, a, a Valentine's night, maybe. Let's just say for, for, for sake of a good story, it was Valentine's yeah. night. And it was a curry house outside Oxford, saved oh up gosh. our money with youth workers, like it was set up for a year, and went to this curry house, there was a hen party partway through, oh no, it was a stag party actually, because partway through, a female stripper came in. Oh. And normally, because I'm such an extrovert, I hate sitting facing the wall in a restaurant, I quite like to sit with my back to the wall, And it's not this weird thing we do, I just can't take that seat. But this time I thought, no, I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus oh. on my husband. So I'll sit facing the wall. He can sit out facing into facing the Facing the stripper. So, of course, he was sat when this very beautiful, attractive policewoman came in. I thought nothing of it. I was still chatting to him about things that were very important. His eyes kept wandering. I thought, does not matter? He's listening. He's in engaged. <laughs> <laughs> then the music So he watches and we both. It was like 8.30 <laughs> in the evening. with like kids around. It's the most awkward thing ever. Oh, no. And then in the end, he turns and says... Well, right, should we normally do what we do? I'd, I'd have missed all of that. No, <laughs> as if that's like a real positive of the evening. Oh <laughs>
1: gosh, you—if you'd been facing the other way, you would have stood up and gone to Good talk to her holiday. about her. You'd have been yeah. like, come true on, parents. let me talk to you about your life choices.
0: Yeah, true, <laughs> Pam, i give giving you a cardigan. I'd have said to her, you have a beautiful body. I would have affirmed her. I wouldn't have shamed her. But I would also, also would have given her a cardigan and said, look, some kids here. <laughs> maybe, just take it out the back into the car park. <laughs> and you just like, do that very safely, very quickly. Come back. <laughs> but you ask how we redeem Valentine's Day.
1: Well, oh, maybe dear. that's how we redeem Valentine's Day. <laughs> so Cardigans nice. for strippers, everyone. Oh,
0: dear. Oh, dear. Uh,
1: I, I remember. Uh, my first year of university. Um, so it was before I met the lovely uh, oh, Mrs. Saunders, so uh, who I was at university with, but just to be clear, yes, this was before lazy. we were together. Yes. And I went on a val, and they did a rag blind date. Did you have that at, oh, um, no. you know, a, rag blind? Like- no, Bible
0: College, no. no, no.
1: <laughs> You wouldn't have had that at Bible college. Or well, you've had it at Bible college actually, I don't on Valentine's know. Day. I don't let's, know. let's park that for a joke later on. Okay. <laughs> it's on, it's on so, um, so you, you, um, Rag Week, you kind of did the Valentine's thing, and uh, you could pick a blind date name out of the hat. Oh, and basically, you ended up on a blind date. You paid £5 to charity, that sort of thing. So, they took, they coupled everyone off on yeah. Valentine's Day, and you met in a pub, and you got given your pub, and you met the yeah. person, and then um I met this girl. Can't remember her name, actually. Uh, and we sat down, and uh, I got us both a drink, and we sat down to have a conversation. She went to the loo and, then and she disappeared. Oh, no. and she, she never ever back. returned.
0: Oh, that is as well as Trevor, we I also have, have Chantelle
1: outside. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, you! Yeah. Oh, I love I, You, you could see,
1: rude. but I could see I the look in her rude. eyes. I was like, she's she's disappointed from the very first moment. Oh, she, but she was hoping to around. have an evening with a sort of charismatic, charming rugby player, and she got she got <laughs> well,
0: me. That's your fault. <laughs> So, you asked me what very good, well behaved Bible college students are doing on Valentine's Day, I have no idea, except possibly night of prayer, or maybe turning out stupendous church leaders who are passionate about youth ministry. Oh, isn't
1: that good? It's beautiful. Or some sort of like Bible-based blind date thing. (laughs) Where you? Oh, I've done a few you, of those.
0: A few Christian connection kind of, not the organisation, but some events where yeah, you have three minutes. Well, I imagine, think I joined in on one because there's so few women.
1: Like events, so it was instead of names out of a hat, yes. what if you both had to choose your favourite book of the Bible. Ooh, and That's, us. that's oh, how I they dare. match you up. Oh, I love it. It's like oh, oh it's two great. Jeremiah people. They both love that. Love the plans I, I have it. for you. Thing they oh, could, they deserve I each love other. Love
0: Insta, Insta love it love it so i caught up with our special guest who is here for this week and again martin it's somebody who doesn't come from within the kind of the mainstream tribe of christian youth ministry and youth work although when she speaks you'll realize that actually she does but as i was talking to her it dawned on me that when we talk about youth work and christian youth ministry i'm i'm thinking in my mind it's a paid youth worker or it's a volunteer youth worker working at a church setting or it's a Christian youth worker working in a school or a prison or whatever. I don't often think it's maybe a curate or a mm-hmm. church leader or an assistant pastor who's doing it. And they've got like responsibility for the whole church. But actually because of their heart for young people, they're they're also really like leading the way on, on youth ministry. And maybe they're struggling to raise volunteers and maybe there's no way they can employ a worker. Mm -hmm. And we've not really had that voice on the podcast of the church leader who chooses to get involved in youth work.
1: Until now.
0: Until now, Olivia. Olivia, Olivia, Olivia. So Olivia got on, uh, not on a bus, she got on a car, I think, and came and saw me in the Northwest. She's also in the Northwest. It was raining. So I actually had coat, umbrella, hat she just walked in with a swaggy old jumper on. Like, I'm a northerner, I'm not afraid of a little bit of rain, I can get wet, it's fine. Like, honestly, she's amazing. She's my hero, (laughs) she's my shero. Well, I'm sat on some stone steps with my new best friend, Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) My northern Friend. Yeah. You came out without a coat. I into, did. It's a wet, rainy Preston.
3: You, you only need lady. a jumper. You do. <laughs> waterproof. <laughs> So Olivia, where where do you work? Tell us a bit about who you i Uh Samuel so Audenand at St John's Church in Gorgate, which is a village uh south of Lancaster. Um and Ordinand is a, a trainee priest in the Church of England. So. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. And this is a podcast about youth ministry and youth work, and you were mm-hmm. like, Why why are you interviewing
3: me? <laughs> like,
0: I've been reflecting recently that a, that a large proportion of youth ministry in a church context. Happens not because there's a paid youth worker or even because there's volunteers, because there's, a, there's somebody on the leadership team or, a, or an ordinand or somebody yep. who says this really matters that we have yeah. young people. And I think you're somebody who slightly fits that bill, yeah. would you say? Yeah.
3: So tell us a little snapshot what is it that you're doing currently? So then, um, at St John's, uh, the church we've kind of inherited is one that doesn't have any teenagers. Um, there were a couple of 16, 17 year olds when we arrived um, but they were really just clinging on and they'd, they'd left the church now um, so the vicar started it kind of totally fitted that we need to do something um, so we started uh, like a confirmation preparation class on a Friday evening at the vicarage and it was just him and one of the lady in church I had a newborn baby at the time um, and then it's taken us really three years to build to what what are we going to do? Because we, we know, and there's a growing group of us really, that know we've got to do something um, to have youth in our church, mm. to to reach them, to tell them that, you know, Jesus loves them and that, mm. that he's the purpose for their life. And we can't do that if we don't have any teenagers. Mm. Um, So we've just started, uh, about three weeks ago, um, our Friday evening youth group. Um, And it's small, we've got like six kids, Mm -hmm. Um, and they're in year five and six, and then Mm. one year seven boy. Um, But that's who we've got in front of us, so that's what we've got to start with. That's who you're going to work with. But then we're really, really fortunate, because we're just outside Lancaster... Um, in Lancaster itself, we've got a fantastic um, kind of inter-church youth uh, ministry um, that lots of people are putting energy into. And I'm involved in that. Um, and It's just like once a term. Um, previously, has kind of been like big, charismatic evangelical worship and um, like a strong word and ministry time. But this last uh, two meetings that we've had... The youth that we've got are less up for that and they're just at a different point in their faith. So we're at this interesting time where we think, right, well, this is what we've always done, but mm, do we do it differently? Um, so, yeah, that then feeds in. And...
0: Fantastic. So, lots of people listening to this are youth workers, they might be employed or they might be serious volunteers, they've been doing this for a while or this is for the like calling. What's it like being someone who's called into church leadership? So it's the whole age group, mm-hmm. it's the whole gamut. Yeah. But stepping into a church setting mm-hmm. where there is no young, there are no young people, there's no obvious volunteers, mm-hmm. there's no strategy around youth work, there's no
3: connections with like what what is that? Like, what does that feel like? Um, it's quite it's quite interesting because so for me I'd I'd had a little bit of youth ministry experience previously and then kind of stepped out of that and into children's ministry because that's what was needed at the church that I was at before where they had an abundance of youth volunteers wow. um but they needed children's uh, volunteers and so it, it's kind of like for me going back to something that i know that i really enjoyed before mm. but I've got pressures elsewhere. Um, so not just in ministry, I've got family and husband, child, mm. friends. But then in the ministry side of things, actually, it's it's not necessarily the only thing that mm. I am called to. They're not the only people that I feel God's saying, yeah, you need to speak yeah. to them. And so balancing the needs of everybody else against what we know that we Absolutely, like, it's an imperative that we've got to. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I just want to stop with you. Yeah. You made a really interesting point that I've
0: never quite articulated before, but you're so right. Which is, <clears throat> I wonder if sometimes our models of youth ministry are not only a bit dated in the 1990s, like if you go to the average church youth group it looks like it did you know, 20 yes, years ago, yes. but the model still functions mm. on the idea that the person doing the leading mm. has very little else in their life yeah. and they can be quite responsive and do fine yeah. night stuff and then go away for a whole weekend with the youth yeah. and, and even if they work they haven't got lots of pressures yeah. and I guess there's a number of us now, loads of us now, employed mm. youth workers, volunteers, church leaders that youth ministry is one yeah. thing in many, or we have to, as you say, yeah. weigh up the needs of... Yeah. Like, I can't just go drop everything and go and take yeah. a young person to a sexual health clinic or, you know, whatever I used yeah. to be able to do yeah. before, or sit on the pavement for two hours chatting yeah. about something, because I've got to feed my kids and I've got to... That's interesting. Yeah. Do, you, do you... So stepping back into a role where you're doing youth ministry again, has that... Have you really noticed that?
3: Yeah, that I think it's interesting in St John. The context we've got at St John's is... That it doesn't uh, it I thought it would feel weird stepping back into youth, but because we've got to start with who we've got, which is like years five and six, so uh nine, ten, eleven year olds, actually that's the age group I'm currently most comfortable with. So even though we're doing some like youth work stuff and um games and You're building and up stuff, aren't you? Yeah. Top shop and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I'm. we're doing it with you know, primary school children who I I don't feel like, oh, I've forgotten how, I, I there is a part of me that thinks, oh, I feel like I've forgotten how to interact with teenagers, mm. but I'm not having to interact with teenagers yet. Mm. Um, but then part of the being involved with um, Resolute, this kind of interchurch stuff um, in Lancaster and the wider area, um, is that I've got youth leaders who are going, no, of course you know how to reach with teenagers. we've seen you do it. Yes, yes. It's that kind of getting out of my head, mm. really.
0: So talk to us about how you feel about these youth workers then. So you're in a church that doesn't have obvious mm. volunteers. You're going to have to spend a bit of time coaxing them out of the woodwork and training them. Yeah. Um, but you and your the senior leader have a heart for this. And mm. then you're tapping into mm. sort of resourced youth yeah. ministry. Like where. Yeah. How, how do you see then, as a local church leader, how are you seeing the paid youth mm. worker down the road of a big church? Oh,
3: you just um, Do you love them? yeah with an unending they're love. wonderful <laughs> they're wonderful and I kind of especially the really faithful long-serving youth ministers so there's a couple who um in in different churches who have been on the youth scene in varying churches for over a decade well, and, right. and 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 My experience of youth workers, especially Church of England, is that you're a youth worker for maybe like five years and then you go and train to be a vicar. Um or you do something else, but um it doesn't seem to be like this long term calling and I always think that's a real shame because I wouldn't see my like I I'm not gonna train to be a vicar and then see that's a stepping stone to something else. But so yeah, there's there's Couple of them who've been doing it long term. I think yes, and they and and if anybody says to them or, you know, oh have you thought about this? And they're like no, like I can't want to be a youth worker for the rest of my life. Like yes, this is amazing, but also kind of a bit gutted that there's not more like especially maybe in in the northwest and particularly where we are, you know, north north <laughs> west, um, that there's not more people who wanna kind of devote their lives do you, to it. Do
0: you have any sense why that is the case, what the barriers mm, to that are?
3: I don't know whether there's there's a cost element, there's um, churches just don't have the funds. Um, so the church that like, I used to be at, they, they'd had a paid youth minister since the early 90s, so like they'd, they're a well-resourced <laughs> church, well-funded church. Um, but actually, the majority of churches, I mean around the country, but I think probably more... In the northwest and northeast. Um, you're in communities that are <coughs> economically poorer and so you do struggle financially <coughs> to yeah. get so the people models in. Need to look different um, don't we, of how we do And if you don't have young people, I always think homegrown people are the best, you know. We see all these kind of discipleship years going on and, and then people think, Yeah, actually I want to do this for the rest of my life. But the best interns or discipleship year people that have worked in churches and given it for a year and then seen that this is something I want to do have come from in house because they've been nurtured. So if you don't have any young people to begin with, then you're never gonna mm. get them when they're eighteen or nineteen and want to do a gap year and see if it's mm. something they want to do for the rest wow. of their life. Wow. Um yeah. So as so you are an ordnance. So you're training. Mm-hmm.
0: You're at Saint Light in Liverpool at the moment, and at the moment you're sort of placed in different places in, in and yeah, given placements. Yeah. But sort of when you look long term, this is a bit of a career's question. Oh. When you sort of look <laughs> long term, yeah. what, what what role will youth ministry play? Do you think in a strategy that you put together with the church as a leader? How what I what think, do you
3: see that? Yeah, quite like, a big role for me. Um, I think growth. Growth in the church comes through children, teenagers, and families, like whole family units and um, coming into church, coming to faith um, I think that's where the real growth happens when you've got a family of five as opposed to mm. just one person mm. um, but it's having those resources and even if that's only yourself, yes, in order to be able to do that, so like totally not really youth. Related, but one of the other things that we would thought was absolutely imperative to have as a church when we when we moved out to Galgate, um was something for under fives. But the only under five we had in that church when we started was my daughter, um, but that was enough of a reason to start something. And now two years in, so having this toddler group, we've got ten, twenty different families in a village, and then they've started coming as families to things like message church mm, or Christingle, wow. Christ service, that kind of thing and then um, I had a conversation with a mum last week and she said oh my son he's seven so he's never been to our toddler group but as a result of toddler groups come to like messy church he said oh, I want to be in God's family wow. and, and so now we're like looking at how do we disciple him to the point where his parents feel confident in him getting baptised and they're not from a church family you know the, the, they would say oh no we're not we don't believe Can't in anything be and it's but that Wouldn't I mean it probably could have happened because God can do anything, but it's having something there that then actually you're able to bring people in, yes. Um, and that's what we'd love to see happening. You know, we have a great church school next door to our church, we've got so many children and teenagers, and for some of these teenagers, we've lost them, the time has passed actually, so we need to do something now with our to build up that yeah. younger group so in the future I think for me it would be that having make sure you've got something for youth and you know it, what we're doing isn't all singing all dancing we don't have any resources we've got the vicar and me and three other ladies and um, we're just doing what we can yeah. with what's God, what, what yeah. God's given us um, and then it's the same with Message church is the same as toddler group. you know it's just three of us mm. but we we'll just give it what we've got <laughs> there's a
0: real there's a real um calling gap isn't there mm. like so you you sort of hear people moving to other countries as god's called them to a country and they might get any sort of job there but they're really undercover mm. missionary that kind of thing and i just think it'd be incredible to, to see a mass movement across the northwest and east mm. and the whole of the uk where where maybe younger and I mean like basically anyone under the age of 90 probably or 99 <laughs> says I'm going to move into this area I'm going to join this church and I'm going to join them as a volunteer youth worker yeah. that's why I've come to your church you've got a, big, a, a church leader who's up for this and my diff, my presence yeah. can make a matter I mean that would be amazing wouldn't it you, you're, you're being trained as a church leader, there mm. are many different uh, types of training, there are many different denominations, CFE isn't the only one, um, but you're an ordinand. Yeah. How are you finding the input around youth ministry mm. as a church leader? Is Ooh. that, I mean it's a loaded question, it's so loaded. <laughs> like what am I allowed to say, <laughs> yeah. get me into trouble. And just out of, of English, <laughs> um, is that?
3: Not a lot. Mm would probably be... Let's stop the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> writers, not a lot. That's interesting, um, is Yeah, but I think that's probably the picture yeah. at all Everywhere, colleges. yeah, um, definitely. We do, we have had some input on children's and youth and kind of trying to build the picture of the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people I'm training with are... Like former children's workers or youth workers or um, outreach workers, or so there's a load of experience within the church and in, within leadership mm. of people that are um, training now mm. in a different role. But it's that mm. uh, how how do we raise up everyone yes. else? Yeah. Because we spend so much time at, like, and rightly so, kind of looking at doctrine and what do we believe mm. and why do we believe it and the Bible and how to read it really well mm. and that's great and that fuels us and it impacts our theology and how we lead mm. but then so so would yes you know, it would be it good to have true. that kind of um input that would allow us to grow a theology around youth ministry children's ministry and um, any ministry like even at older people or yes, whatever. yes. But, Specialisms.
2: Think. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that
0: would be really that would be That is awesome. <laughs> I realize that we're getting very cold
2: bums on these stone steps.
0: And um I also I've I've not jumped on things. But I know people listening to this are gonna love some of the things you said mm. about staying in it for a long time. Mm. We were at the National Youth Ministry weekend a couple of weekends ago that YouthScape runs, and one of the seminars was how do you stick it out? How do mm. you stay in this long haul? And it was the most popular Attended a seminar for that moment oh, yeah. in, the, in the program, and we had people like Marco Striker and Wayne Dixon, Ali Martin, and. Um Mike Payne and others that have been in it for at yeah, least 30 years and yeah. the room just leant forward saying how, like, how do you do this yeah. we want 75% of us on the survey that Ali Campbell did say we want to do this yeah. but we so I think there's some. it's really interesting that you've picked up mm. very much the spirit of what's it within is. youth ministry but yeah. there are barriers awesome I'm gonna let us go because we're gonna go to the pub not as so much but um what is your what do you want to say to youth ministers what do you want to
3: say to them? Keep on. Olivia. Keep on <laughs> keeping on. <laughs> we need people who love Jesus and love mm. people. I went to the dentist to have two teeth out a couple of weeks ago, a month ago now, and the dental nurse asked me what I did, and I said, oh, I'm trained to be a priest. And uh, and one of the questions she asked me was, why do you want to do that? Mm. Like, what, what made you want to do it? So well, I, love, I love Jesus, mm-hmm. and I love people. Mm. Um, that's why I want to do it. And I think there's So much of that in youth ministry, you know, you love Jesus, mm-hmm. you love young people, and man, they need it right now. <laughs> so, keep on loving Jesus, Absolutely. keep on loving our teeth. And maybe
0: don't share that with dentists for like when they've got like those weird, I know, in
3: mouth,
0: and then it's like it <laughs> <laughs> triggers anything, and like all your teeth come out. I shared Jesus, but I think it didn't go down very well. I think he like, hated hey, me. Hey. <laughs> awesome! Thank you, Olivia. Yeah, thank you. it's great isn't it to hear i kind of be reminded um from church leaders how crucial they see the role of youth Mm. ministry and how life bringing it is when there is a youth worker in an area that sees that their work is more than just their church they they put on stuff for the other churches in the rural setting or the community to come to i just i love like i didn't i didn't give olivia any warning the question so all that love she has for youth workers that is all her like that's Mm. That's all come out of that, and I think that's really good for us to remind ourselves about that. That, that church leaders do look to youth ministry yeah. um, as a as a core aspect of growing the church. Well, there really is a key.
1: there's an unhelpful caricature that we sometimes draw of uh, church leaders, almost opposition to yes. youth workers yeah. in church contexts where youth workers are being line right. managed by them. Yeah. Um, we kind of characterise the. Um, the church leader as being visionless and not caring about, you mm. know, the the young people and not having, you not know, being able to share the dreams that the youth worker has, not managing them properly, not caring about them, mm. not involving them in the big decisions, all of that sort of stuff. And we've made some of those comments on this podcast, and sometimes they are true. But it must also be said very loudly, and this, um, mm. you know, interview is perfect example that there are also those many many brilliant church leaders mm. who get it. Maybe they've come out of youth ministry yes, yes. or they just they actually just have big hearts for young people yes, yes. and they, they are desperate to see yes. more young people and in some cases they're even prepared to roll their sleeves up because they, yes. they can't even find a volunteer who wants to do it yeah. and do it themselves, do it themselves. we um, so uh, we've been running this scheme for the last maybe two years now called launchpad mm. um, uh, with the Diocese of London where uh, Chris, I think Chris Curtis, who's been running it, has, has talked about it on the podcast before. And we've basically been gathering small cohorts of church leaders in churches where, uh, Church of England churches, where they would love to um, uh, have youth ministry, but they don't currently have any youth mm. ministry. They might have some young people, mm. but they don't run any formalized activities for them and what we found in many of those settings is not that they've gone oh I better go and hire a youth worker oh I better Mm. go and rally the troops many of them had said you know what I'll start it it. I will have pizza around the vicarage once a month or I'll organise some sort of football club or or I'll do it and I've seen it over and over again so you know it is really important that we don't fall into stereotypes yes there are horror stories yeah there are some church leaders who frankly need to seriously sort it out when it comes to their management and vision for youth ministry but also There's loads of great church leaders out there who who are actually just doing it because no one else is. So, um, you know, good on you, Olivia. Did you
0: hear her talk a bit, um, because she's obviously an and so she's training. And when I asked her how much training do you get around youth ministry, there was that silent pause where she realised, oh, what do I say? And that's an interesting thing as well, isn't it? Because her college that's training her are not the only one. They're not
1: unique in this.
0: The number of churches across all different denominations saying, actually, we get maybe one seminar through the whole three years. Or is that? Four years or one year. Well, that
1: must be because they don't see the church dealers' roles ever having to stray mm. into this territory.
0: And who's creating the curriculum? Because surely the practitioner on the ground, the church leader on the ground, who is every week seeing their, their church flock, seeing their community, mm. will know instinctively that mm. I have, you know, as many under 18s as I have. 30s to 40s, well, hopefully, maybe yeah, not. Yeah. So it's a model of, of being designed by people that aren't maybe always in touch with what's really going on. That's an interesting question. It's a big it? challenge it's to all the challenge. training colleges. Yep. Get some
1: college. youth work training yes. onto your curriculum.
0: Yes, and make it Otherwise, if you broader. don't, mm.
1: Rachel will come round with her enormous earrings <laughs> and I don't know what she'll <laughs> I do I with will. them.
0: Well, there was a little tweet going on. something I said at the National Youth Ministry Weekend, which actually wasn't my, I didn't, I didn't, I should have um, said very quickly who said it, but I can't remember who said it. But um, a few people picked it up and I said, if you're not, if you're leading a church and you're not listening to under 18s, you're leading the church into a future that doesn't exist. And I can't think where, I read that somewhere, I read oh. it, it might be James Emery Smith or something like that, Generation Z. But it's so true and I think people caught on to it because, it's, because it is so true. If you're mm-hmm. leading the church and you're not listening to under 18s, what, what future are you leading your church into? It's not the real future. Yeah. It's not the place where these will be the young adults that are then, you know, on your leadership team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it is a mass, it's mission critical. But anyway,
1: now uh, you talked uh, before the interview about your Shiro. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you about my shoe, Oh, she's mine as well
0: because she's so, both fast. So,
1: um, Sarah Williams, who, uh, Dr. Sarah Williams, who spoke at uh, the National Youth Ministry Weekend this year on uh, Saturday evening. Oh, she was in amazing. In a double bill with, oh, I mean, somebody else who really let the side down, oh, actually. Let it it down. Really, it, let it, down. it, it, it massively Bombed. crashed and burned after that. Oh, fuck. The first half, we had uh, awesome. Brilliance from Sarah Williams. No, you were excellent also, Rachel. Uh, okay. oh. And uh, so, Dr. Sarah Williams from uh, Oxford University, um, she uh, is just one of the most like brilliant women you will ever meet. And I mean that in every sense. Yeah. So she is brilliant, like I just want to go and have coffee with her all the yeah. time. But also... She's got a brain oh. genuinely the size of Huddersfield. Yes. is enormous. Yes. And you speak to her, what she's got an amazing gift of, is she's a historian really, um, she's got this amazing gift of knowing massive amounts yes. about things and being able to translate it. So tiny minded folk like myself... Can actually understand Mm. and process. It's
0: beautiful phraseology. Oh my goodness. And also her body language. You feel like she's literally put the words in her hands. It was like a dance. And
1: given them to you. It was like a little dance.
0: I was captivated. I was was. absolutely captivated.
1: It was a bit like watching someone. You remember the old spring harvest dancers? (laughs) Do you remember those doing (laughs) the. Do you remember doing the the interpretive (gasps) dance? Oh,
0: I nearly got like that. It was like that, but
1: whilst giving a lecture.
0: Oh, it was amazing. Or
1: or rather, her hands move a bit. Yeah. So she, uh, we're not just raving about her for no reason. She is giving. Probably more than half of this year's Youthscape lecture uh, at St. Miletus, the Youthscape and St. Melitus College Youth Ooh. Ministry lecture. Uh, this year it's called A Theology for the Rebellion. And very intentionally, you'll see the graphics. You won't see the graphics, listener, because you're listening. But uh, you'll be able to see the graphics.
2: You can see it on the website
1: you can see on the website producer amy (laughs) thank you uh so uh you can go to the website youthscape.co.uk slash lecture and you'll see this graphic which is very it's very extinction rebellion it's very kind of of environmental protest stuff that's part of it but the subtitle is how youth ministry can navigate unprecedented change and i said that um dr sarah williams is a historian um and she's an expert in the sort of Industrial Revolution, Mm. period, or rather, she's an expert at the time in history that is most similar to the revolution, cultural revolution we're going through right now. So, you've got the Industrial Revolution then, and you've got the Digital Revolution now. And what she does is she draws some lessons, or she's going to draw some lessons from how the church navigated that period of history um, and then apply that to um, the current. Be,
0: it's going to be brilliant. We We've got Doc, Dr. Mark Scanlon from St. well. Also
1: brilliant. But he's just a hero. Brilliant.
0: He's a hero and a shero. This is fantastic. No, he's not a shero. And the event is free. What? What? Hang and on. includes a complimentary glass of wine. Ah. As well as access to a related exhibition. Oh, that's
1: nice. Because you can't get into exhibitions normally. But that's that <laughs> is an absolute bonus. So. Uh, you, you get a, basically free wine, people. Why, yeah, you, why wine. are you not booked on this? Why are
0: you not booked on this?
1: Youthscape.co.uk slash lecture. Monday the 2nd of March, uh, St Melitis College in London. Uh, all the details online. Uh, it's going to be brilliant. And you know what you could do? What's that? You could take your date. Oh, you could take your date. Oh, your
0: Valentine, you could take your your Valentine date. date. Interestingly, though, in this day and age, I do think some of these traditional pointers, like Valentine's Day, like how we do Christian weddings, I do think they're part of our rebellion. I do think they're part of how we rewrite the narrative, because if we're picking up in culture that these old stalwarts of things don't resonate anymore, could we be the community that leads something beautiful? Like If we really believe that that the greatest love is between God and humanity, and that a theology of friendship would be the most powerful thing to give young people, you know, who are facing social social isolation, all that kind of stuff. You're keep at going, area. keep going. But if we really believe that is actually that nobody else is leaning into that space, then then really a theology for the rebellion should look like a revitalisation of all those sorts of things. Could you imagine like Christian Gosh. marriage? Could you imagine if I mean I didn't do this myself, so I don't I can't ask anyone else, but can you imagine if a couple decides to get married, they're Christians, they say, We're gonna get married next week. Can you all just come and bring some food? Like, let's make it the biggest celebration. Could you guys all fund our honeymoon? Like, can we make this a big party? And then, and say, we are the people that resist, resist the kind of the nutsy, consumer driven, stressed out thing that is the kind of the wedding machine. Because we really believe it's about two becoming one. And we're not gonna give ourselves two years of you Know trying to kind of squeeze ourselves into a sexual effort. Oh, I've gone off on one now, but and I feel I, like you've
1: been watching a lot of Say yes to the Dress. But I
0: love all of that as well, so I don't want to rob anybody of that. But but what would it be? What would rebellious, really rebellious, a great question. audacious Christian living look like that, that also stuck fingers up at some of the cultural trappings that keep us all bankrupt and in a weird state of yeah? So anyway, oh, I, don't know.
1: I love that. When yes. we were at the National Youth Ministry weekend uh dr sarah williams talks a lot about josephine butler oh, who was a yes. figure from Incredible. history who i never heard of no. and uh, they she talks about how she has in many ways been you know should have been on a par with wilberforce yes. but has been airbrushed out of the abolitionist story mm-hmm. um because a because she was a woman but b because she was a bit too christian <laughs> for the history books which is amazing and, uh, and and so listening to that story of how somebody, you know, the things that she did in what 1850 yes. or something mm-hmm. were so incredibly prophetic and countercultural. Like now, yes. they look they look woke now. Yes. But if you were to if you, if you it, would have take t- turn the clock back yeah. nearly 200 years, she was doing it then. Yeah. It is unthinkably brilliant. So um, so I think we're going to have an amazing evening. I'm looking forward to seeing you there.
0: Unthinkably brilliant. Unthinkably brilliant. That could be the name of a conference. I love it. Or a book. Or a date.
1: <laughs> I think it'd be brilliant. A date with Rachel Gardner. <laughs> so, um so uh, you, you are on the Youthscape podcast. If you're very, very good, you don't win a date with Rachel Gardner. No. You win a shout out. Yes you. <laughs> and so our uh, shout-outs. The final time, I think, for this series.
0: Beth Hawksworth, who actually is of the Hawkesworth clan of the northeast, Youth for Christ, John Hawksworth, who is awesome. His daughter. But Beth, we love you. And you are starting to be a youth worker at St Melitus. So that's a really nice link, isn't it? And Beautiful.
1: Sam and Helen Baker from Warlingham, thank you for your, your, your joyful Ongoing. patronage of <laughs> yeah. this show. We
0: love you. Goodbye.